Dominic, Dominic, Dominic. Highly contested. T3 on the track. The Texas high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Highly contested. If you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats. Act like radios are off. The Texas high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Highly contested. If you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats. Hello, and welcome to Highly Contested. This podcast covers some of the hottest topics in the world of football and basketball, where our crew gives our highly contested takes on these topics and supports them with the big facts. I'm George, and I'm here with Joe and Eric. How you doing today, Joe? I'm doing good. Went 13 for 1 on my weekly pickums. Feeling pretty great about that. There you go, man. You did pretty good on those. Hey, Eric, how you doing today? I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing all right. Good to have you back. All right, just a reminder to anyone listening to this on Anchor, if you want to be part of the podcast, go ahead and leave a voice message and be interactive with us on Highly Contested. We'll make sure to put you on the podcast with any questions or any of your own Highly Contested takes. If you're listening to this on any other platform, leave us a review and we appreciate it. Today's topics include the game thriller of Game 2 of the Western Conference Finals where the Los Angeles Lakers took a 2-0 lead on the Nuggets. Also, the Celtics won their game against the Miami Heat, and the series is now 2-1, Heat up. And finally, the start of Justin Herbert and the beginning of his career with the Chargers. So for our first topic, we're going to be talking about the Lakers and Nuggets. Eric, I'm going to go with you first. So game two versus the Nuggets came down to the wire, where a clutch three point dagger to end the game 105 to 103 the lakers are now up 2-0 in this series how impressive was ad in game two of the western conference finals and what adjustments do the nuggets need to make for game three super impressive man i mean ad came out 31 points nine rebounds he was two for four 50 on his three-point shots uh he was looking really good out there especially with the last you know of course the last shot he made there um, just as clutch as it gets. I hear that he yelled Kobe when he was shooting that. Uh, only the right thing to do, especially when you make it like that. That's the Mamba, baby, in the Mamba jersey as well. He said he don't want to lose in that jersey. So, you know, he had to do that. Um, I mean, there's the Lakers, they just, there's two things. One for the Lakers, one for the Nuggets. One, the Nuggets cannot, cannot go into an, a big deficit like that in a game. Um, I know these Nuggets are kind of being known now for like comebacks all the time, not just in the game, but I mean in the whole series. But they can't just put themselves in a hole. Now the Lakers, they can't lose leads like that either. So um, I think that's the only thing here. When you look at all the starters for the um, for the Lakers, they were all over 10 plus points. So that's real good. Only one that didn't score over 10 points was McGee. Uh, but of course he didn't get as many minutes as, uh, um, you know, most other starters, he only got 12 minutes compared to everyone else was 28 plus as starting. But, uh, you know, if you go to the other side and look at the Nuggets, on the other hand, this is where I think um, uh, Porter Jr. was kind of right. Now, he's a rookie and uh, kind of, you know, pretty much he's a rookie, pretty much. He's new to the whole NBA. And I know he came out saying that, oh, we need to pass the ball around to more people and blah, blah, blah. And they say that was the wrong thing to do. But everyone knows he's right. Everyone knows he's right. Jokic had 30. Murray had 25. But let's look at the other starters, man, points-wise. Millsap had six. Grant had seven. And then you had Harris with three. And the only other person 
to score more than 10 points on their bench was just Porter Jr. himself. So it's like, you know, this ball does need to get past more. It's, they're relying way too heavy on Jokic and Murray, and they got a real deep team here. So I think they, they just pass the ball around more, get more people involved. I think they won't get in a big deficit right away, and I think they should keep up with the Lakers. And uh, they should be winning, you know, one or two games here that I think, you know, I still think the Lakers are going to move on, but I really think this should go to game six or game seven. So, Yeah, good take. Uh, just to touch on the Porter comment, a lot of people, they, they agreed with his point and his premise. It was just how he did it. You know, it should have been wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, just shouldn't have been to the media, maybe in the locker room or something, you know, especially, you know, him being a rookie and not really cementing himself yet and him still, you know, just being a rookie. And, you know, Jamal Murray is the guy. Jokic is the guy. So, you know, obviously, you know, he what he said wasn't wrong. It was just how I guess he said it. Joe, what are your thoughts? How impressive was AD in game two? And what adjustments do the Nuggets need to make for game three? AD did look good, but he needs to be like that every time he comes out to play. But he only scored 10 points in the first half. And it's not, it's, you need to be more productive earlier in the game. So you create that scoring opportunities for everyone else and probably even for you. But in the second half, he did come out lights out, scoring 22 points in the half. And I'm not knocking him because he did make that clutch three to end the game. And that's great. But they, he needs to be more productive because the Nuggets will come back from a deficit. And we've seen that for the prior two times. Yeah. Um, good point. What I liked, what I saw was, you know, they kind of took turns, him, Anthony Davis and LeBron James. So LeBron James came out blazing hot. You know, he put his stamp on the game. He was shooting, he was making everything he couldn't miss. And then in the second half, Anthony Davis took over and he actually ended up having the last 10 points that the Lakers had and ended the game with 31 points. And that was nice to see because, in most of these games, you know, he disappeared in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter. So the fact that he came up big, scoring the last 10, scoring the game-winning three-pointer, and still ended up with 31 points, to me, was impressive to see, and I liked it. Um, it was great to see Anthony Davis aggressive in that second half, and he hit that. He was hitting big shot after big shot and not really relying on LeBron James too much. You know, LeBron took over that first quarter and first half, like I said. LeBron had 20 points in the first half and you know, they they're doing a good job on defense and they got big bodies to put on Jokic and you can see Dwight Howard. He is pestering Jokic and he is getting under his skin and that that's a good matchup because it helps Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis doesn't have to, you know, exhaust himself on defense guarding Jokic, you know, and that, that was a big part that Anthony Davis always said on why he preferred playing the four versus the five. It was that wear and tear in a sense, you know, of just four quarters of guarding their big man. So I think that's huge that the Lakers, you know, they got those bigs and they can play big, but they can also play small and put Anthony Davis on the five. But for this series in uh, particular, you know, the fact that he doesn't have to guard Jokic every time, you know, you can put a Dwight Howard, a JaVale McGee on Jokic to me is huge. And the thing that I want to see in game three, if the Nuggets want to have a chance, I think they got to make more three-pointers. So they were only eight of 24 in game two. 
Damn, they're pulling Rockets numbers. Yeah. <laughs> they were 8 of 22, or 24, sorry. And when I was watching the game, they passed up a lot of open shots. Like, they, I don't know if they weren't feeling comfortable or confident in those shots, but they passed up a lot of open three-pointers, and Jokic started taking some at the end. But by then, you know, it was already a close game, and, you know, respect to them for bringing it back and going down with the fight, and, you know, it came down to the last clutch shot. But game three, I think they got to, you know, not be scared of that three-pointer. You know, take them if they're open. So, George, I'm going to ask you a question real quick. If Anthony Davis missed that shot, should have LeBron James should have taken that shot if he had the ball? I think that's what a lot of people would have said. And, I mean, obviously that's not what people are going to talk about because Anthony Davis did make the shot. But it would have been interesting because at that point, they were only down one point. So you didn't need a three-pointer to win the game. So many would argue that LeBron should have taken it. And I think that's the the plus side of having two stars, arguably two top five players, is you don't always have to go LeBron. You know, you can go Anthony Davis or LeBron. And you could see, like, they use LeBron James as a decoy. They set that screen, got Jokic, you know, mismatched, and he was too late to contest Anthony Davis. You know, that was Plumlee's man, and he was too slow. Jokic was too slow. What are your thoughts, Eric? Yeah, uh, they were talking about that play at the very end. They knew that ball was not supposed to go to AD originally. It was supposed to go to LeBron. Um, But AD was saying that he had his eyes locked on Rondo the whole time as he's passing inbounds. And, uh, you know, for AD to be on the very top and then uh, get that screen, Jokic is, you know, for being the big man he is, there's no way he's going to go on top. He has to go on bottom. And that's that's just how it played out. You know, he was able to get that step back and throw uh, throw that three up. And there's, you know, it just happened how, how it played out. It's hard for a big man at the very top like that to to go over. He has to go under. Now, I'm going to come at it with another one. Um, would you want him to take that shot at one, again in that situation, George? Would I want Anthony Davis taking that shot? Yeah. Of course. You know, especially the way he's feeling the night he was having. You know, he had that Mamba mentality, that feeling. He wanted it. You know, he made, like Eric said, he made eye contact with Rondo. The play wasn't for him. But he, you know, said, hey, give me that ball. I'm here for these situations. This is what I wanted. So put me in these situations and let's make it happen. Um, Eric, what do you think? Oh, I don't mean to cut you off, George. Keep going. Also, I think that's, you know, really good team chemistry. The fact that. You know, the Lakers, they didn't have a timeout when Danny Green got that ball blocked, you know, so they couldn't call a timeout, drop a play. And the fact that they were able to do that and AD was able to make eye contact and pretty much let Rondo know, hey, give me that ball and execute the play, to me, speaks volumes on that team chemistry. And the fact that they're on the same page, you know, without a coach's timeout to really, you know, draw up that play and they're able to execute that, I think was really good. Yeah, Eric, it goes to you now. Um would you want AD taking that shot again? Oh, no question, man. This is a shooter's league. And ever since, really, around the time AD came in the league, around 2012, big men been shooting, man. That's what everyone wants to see is the big man shoot. So, I mean, let this guy shoot. He obviously has the shot on him. He can do it. So, I mean, why not have him ha- have the ball in his hand, especially when he has, you know, the length of a KD and stuff. Like, he's tall, like a center would be. And he has a great shot. So, let him shoot it, man. All right. Yeah. So, Joe, let me ask you that same question. <laughs> you want him shooting that shot? 
I would say yes, because me personally, if if I was in that predicament, you guys know me. If I if I'm left open at the three point line, I'm shooting that, you know. So I I have I haven't feel the same way between AD and I. And yes, shoot your shot, boy. Yeah, I think moving forward, this does great confidence, not just for Anthony Davis, but LeBron James, the fact that he can trust Anthony Davis in a situation like that. Exactly. Trust is trust is a big thing. Yeah. So, any final thoughts on this? Nope. Yeah, I'm good. All right, well, let's move on. So, after an emotional Game 2 loss, Marcus Smart was passionately frustrated and was reported that he was cursing out some of his teammates and also threw objects around in the locker room. The Celtics were able to unite and rally behind his passion for a 117-106 victory over the Miami Heat to bring the series 2-1, Miami leading the series. Joe, what are your thoughts on this series so far? Basically... You got to come out fast and score on almost every possession just to even like put a stop with the heat and stop Butler, stick on him like glue, go under the screens when you're on defense. Need to get the heat in foul trouble to get those mismatches because they'll be subbing out their stars and um, set the, the bench. And you need to get the ball in the hot hand. So if that's Tatum or Brown or if uh, Gordon's coming off the bench, you need to get it done to get them in the in the hot hand. Yeah, I agree, Eric. What are your thoughts on game on this series? Yeah, you know this series has done uh, it's been a really good, really good series. I believe. Um, just look at game three. I mean, game three was was very good. Unlike the other, the Western side where you have like it's just like most points and stuff and work is coming from LeBron, AD, or Jokic Murray. I mean, you got everyone scoring on both sides, uh, both teams. So, you, you know, like, in game three, Tatum had 25. I mean, every starter had over 10 points besides one, which was the Celtics center. And uh, for the uh, for the Heat, I mean, everyone had ten over 10 points for the starters. So, like, the ball is getting passed around. You're watching a real good basketball, team basketball on both these teams. You don't know who's going to score in the next play, you know? That's real good, and they're all running really good uh, offense and defense. Like these teams are really gutty, really, really want this, man. They both really want this. Um, I just I love to see Game Four, and I'm kind of hoping it has a you know two two, so that way this thing is real hot and get the playoffs more heat. But this is this is what I'm liking so far, man. Yeah, I really like to see this competition. Yeah, to your point, four out of the five Celtic starters had twenty plus points. Um, so in this game or in this last game, the Celtics outscored Miami 60 to 36 points in the paint and also held the Miami Heat to 39% shooting. A major concern for me regarding the Heat is if they can play with a lead. So game one, they were from behind down 14 and then ended up winning in overtime and then rallied back from down 17 in game two. They were able to make a late game run in game three, but at some point you have to build a lead instead of coming from behind. It's nice to have those on your resume and have that confidence to be able to come back in a game, but that's something that's not something you could rely on every game, and that goes for the Nuggets as well. You know, at some point you got to build a lead and not always come from behind. And to end the third quarter, 
the Heat went on an 11-1 run with 108 left, but then the Celtics scored the next seven points in 32 seconds. So my keys into going into game four for the Heat will be to build a lead early and not play from behind. And for the Celtics will be to see if they can close out another close game. They weren't able to do it in game one and game two. I see many of these games being close and they got to be able to close out those games. Um, so, yeah, so I mean, going into the series, I knew that it was going to be a dogfight. There were going to be a lot of close games. That's why I predicted it going the distance and going seven. So, get, like I said, game one, game two, they weren't able to finish out those games. And game three, they were able to do that. So, what do you guys got going forward? So, Eric, I'm going to ask you a question real quick. Um, who, what do you think? What are your predictions about the uh, game four? I think that's the next game, game four. Yeah, game four. Like I said, I want that thing to go 2 2. I want the Celtics to come back, win it. I just want to see some competitiveness. I want to see, you know, a real close series. I actually think both both uh, both sides, West and East, should be real close. And uh, that's what I'm hoping for, man. I just want to see some good play. So you think that the Celtics are going to win this next game? Oh, yeah. That's what I'm hoping for. I don't know, man. The Heat probably want the, the Heat. The Heat want it, you know. Jim, no, I mean, Jimmy Butler's the dog, but, you know what I'm just like, I mean, that's all true and all, but just like George said, they've been down every time and every game, and they can't play catch-up every time, man. It's just like the Nuggets. You can't expect the Nuggets to come back from 3-1s every series. You know yeah, what I mean? True. Or, like, they can't come back down from 16 every series. Like, you can't have that, man. You do that all the time, you ain't going to win nothing. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they just – both teams have been winning, but that's not the point. The point is you can't do it day in, day out. So, yeah. I mean, if you really want to see some stuff, some real, you know, some real, real play from your team, you got to get that lead, got to hold that lead. You know what I mean? You can't be always coming back like that. George, what are your thoughts on game four? Who's coming out on top? I think it's going to be another close one. Uh, I do see the Celtics tying this one up. Like I said, I do think this is going to go the distance. So I do see the Celtics doing it, and I like how they rallied back from that that incident with Marcus Morris. I want to know your guys' thoughts on your initial thoughts when you heard about, you know, his passionate, you know, cursing out the team after the game two loss when they were down 2-0 and the fact that they were able to rally back in game three. You know, I I thought they were going to fall apart, but they showed me that they could rally back and they're united. Yeah. For being a player like that, you know, cussing out your team, he he expects better, and that's showing the type of leadership that he's gonna that he has right now. Just going and get in their face and be like, "What do you think we gotta do this and do this and that? You gotta stop him." It's showing leadership that he could actually take the leadership to this point. You know, Eric, what do you thought? You know, every team needs something like this, especially when you have a team like the Celtics. Who I feel like. Like, Kimball Walker, he's known as a nice guy. I mean, these guys play, like, you know, real good. But I'm, I'm not trying to say, like, they're not, you know, just barely nice guys. But what I mean is, like, you don't have someone with that extra fire. You know what I mean? Like, you had plenty of teams back in the day that had that extra fire to them, that, that presence that just brings it day in, day out, that gets everybody else energized. And to me, Marcus Smart is that dude for the Celtics. So he needs to do that. Yes. He, I mean, I'm sure he knows the boundaries, but it's the playoffs, man. Things happen. Things, boundaries get crossed. Lines get crossed. And that's okay. As long as you don't have 
you know, super softies on the team that, that can, that can't take it. You know what I mean? You, you just got to get enough fire in your guys around you. So that way you could continue to win these games because as of right now, you know, the Celtics are down two one. And so you probably need that fire right now, even though they won the game, they need that fire. They need it so they can continue tie this thing up and see if they can go for the finals. George, what do you think? Yeah. So, you know, I, I've always thought Marcus Smart was a dog, you know, one of those guys. And this to me was very like Draymond-esque in no sense, you know, where he is that emotional leader on the team. And, you know, maybe he crossed some lines, but this happens, you know, all the time. And I think the media try to, you know, blow it out of proportion for a bit. But, you know, this team, they're they're well connected. They're united. And I don't see too many soft people on this squad to where, you know, an incident like that in a heated playoff match would really, you know, destroy their team chemistry, you know, and the fact, like I said, the fact that they were able to come back and not just come back, but they, they balled out, you know, Jason Tatum had 25 points, 14 rebounds, eight assists. Kemba Walker had 21 points, six rebounds, two assists. Uh, Marcus Smart had 20 points of his own. Six assists, four rebounds, nine for nine at the free throw line. Uh, Jalen Brown had 26 points, five assists, and seven rebounds. So they all balled out. And they got ballers on this squad, and they're not scared of these moments. And they're all dogs in their own sense. So, Eric, I know you're a big Warriors fan, and you love Draymond Green. Do you think it's fair to compare this incident to a Draymond incident? A little oh, Draymond-esque? Of course, of course. But, you know... It's like this, man. People see people from the outside. They see like Marcus Smart right now, and they're like, "Oh man, this player, man, I can't stand it. Look at him; he's yelling at everybody." It's like, no, man, because you would love a player like that on your team. Like when your team don't get that fire, you don't understand it because your team's probably losing. You know what I mean? So, like, I mean, like I said, lines can get crossed. Like Draymond has crossed those lines before, but you know, it all takes about can you communicate to get things back into, you know, back into normal real quick, which what the Warriors were able to do. But when it comes to this team. This team, like I said, it needs that fire. They need that fire for sure. And, you know, this is why uh, most people like who had their favorite teams had a fire like this in a, in a player, they understand it. They know what's going on right now when they see Marcus Smart doing this. They know what's going on in that locker room. You know what I mean? I mean, there's probably things we don't know that's going on in the locker room in general, but to see that fire, though, is a, is a good sign to me. That's a good sign. Now, if you had a whole bunch of t- players coming out and complaining and this whole thing was blowing up, then yeah, there'd be a pro- probably a big problem, but th- that doesn't seem like that's the deal here. So it sounds like he's just trying to get some fire in his guys, and they need it right now. Like I said, they need it. Yeah, this situation of when uh, Marcus Smart yelling at his teammates kind of reminds me of of a uh, LeBron James situation when he was on Cleveland. You know, I I don't know if it was after the whole mishap, and then he they went to the locker room, and he I don't I don't know if he got like. He was yelling at him or he was just talking loud to him, you know. But this kind of reminds me of that type of situation. Yeah, and I mean, I would argue that this was probably a much needed yell from Marcus Smart because they were dead in the water. You know, they were down 2-0 to the Miami Heat who were red hot. And, you know, this let a little fire under their ass a little bit, you know. Uh, This sparked them. They got a nice 11-point win in this game. And hopefully they, you know, are able to build momentum moving forward. But Marcus Smart, you know, he's not scared of these moments. And 
looks like he's willing to call out some of these other players who maybe aren't doing the role or not necessarily not doing the role, but knows that they can do better. So it was good to see that coming from him and they rallied back. Exactly. I agree. I would say like, yeah, he knows maybe someone else could be doing better in their position or something. And you need that push. Like some people do, some people don't get that push unless they get that push. You know what I mean? So this is exactly what he's trying to get across. Yeah. And most of these guys, they're kind of, they're homegrown. You know, they were drafted besides, you know, Kemba Walker is the main one that, you know, got traded there. It was a free agency. Um, but, you know, these guys, they're all close. They're around the same age. You know, I, I don't see it as a big deal. This happens a lot. Just no one hears about it all the time because they keep it in the locker room. This one got leaked out and some of the other incidents get leaked out and gets blown out of proportion. But this definitely isn't like a deal breaker for me. And they showed that it's not. What are your thoughts, Joe? Okay, I'm going to go back to the last question mixed in with this one. Do you think that someone in that Denver locker room needs to come out and basically do what Marcus Smart did in that locker room? I don't think they have a dog like a Marcus Smart or a Draymond Green in a sense. And I think uh, Michael Porter Jr. Just even a leader, at least like a leader that's willing to step up and be like, bam, this is what needs to get done like now. Yeah, I think Michael Porter Jr. tried to do it. I think he just did it in the wrong way. And I don't know how serious people take him since he is a rookie. You know, he did it to the media in the press conference. And maybe he should have did it in the locker room. But even if he did it in the locker room, are you really going to take a rookie serious? Uh, I don't really see Jokic being that type of guy. I don't really see Jamal Murray being that type of guy. Um, so, Eric, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, two things. One off of Joe's question, uh, I think the closest – players to that Marcus Smart, Draymond Green type, you know, hype man would probably be either Murray or Millsap because Millsap, the veteran, and he does get some guys involved and he talks a lot. Uh, Murray seems to be, you know, more of a talker. Jokic, on the other hand, probably not, you know, when it comes to at least your uh, your main players. But, uh, you know, they probably need that from either Murray or Millsap right now, and they're probably getting a little bit of it. But uh, especially after this game, they should come back even harder. Now, so the, back to um, previous, what we were talking about, uh, you're saying how I know it got leaked and whatever, and you know people are talking about how uh, you know this whole thing leaked from the locker room. Now this could also deal with this pandemic that's going on with COVID, because we, you know with no fans or anything, like there was plenty of rumors that you know people were hearing him cussing out the other players and all this other stuff. You probably wouldn't hear that if um, you know all the fans are going crazy and you know everyone's talking as loud in the in the arena. Well, you don't get that right now. You get the mics everywhere. You you pick up all the voices. Everyone's hearing what's going on through the hallways. Like you hear all of that. So um, this could be a normal thing. Like you know, this could be a normal thing after every game that Marcus Smart probably you know people they might be used to it. All the players might be used to it. But you know, this time they caught it on camera. So now you know you blow it up and the media takes advantage of it. Yeah, most definitely. And plus, you know, this is a heated battle going on, and not just that. I mean, people especially his teammates, they know who Marcus Smart is. You know, they know how he is. I think that's the same thing with Draymond Green and why people don't really get offended is they already know how he is. You know, they, they expect it. And like I said, I think this happens often, just we don't really hear about it. And I know from even personal experiences, you know, when we play, you know, sometimes we get in each other's faces and, you know, it's nothing to take to heart. You know, we know, you know, we expect better. We want to be better. 
And at the end of the day, you know, we all got each other's back and same with them. So I don't think anyone really takes it to heart like the media tries to portray it often. All right. Well, we'll be moving on to our next topic, the NFL topic. So in Sunday's week two game, the Chiefs versus the Chargers, the sixth overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft, got to start the game due to Tyrod Taylor having a chest injury. Justin Herbert was expected to sit most of his rookie year to develop. The Chargers were leading most of this game, but ultimately lost to the Patrick Mahomes-led Chiefs in overtime. How did Justin Herbert look in his first NFL start, Joe? All right. To me, he Justin Herbert looked phenomenal in his first ever game and first ever start. He drove that team down the field on the Chiefs, on the Chiefs, a Super Bowl team. To me, that's amazing. He was 22 of 33, 311 yards, one TD, and also one interception. That's a solid stat line for your first ever start. But if the Chargers don't start him for the rest of the, well, at least for the next couple games, I think he'll lose some confidence in his play and some chemistry with his starters. What do you guys think? Yeah, um, you know, he's the first player since 1954 to throw a run, uh, to throw and run for a touchdown in the first half of an NFL debut. It's really impressive. Um, just just looking at this guy play, not only is he not afraid to throw a deep ball pass or, you know, throw a, a pass to the slant in traffic, like he is not afraid to throw this ball. Not only that, pressure comes up to him. This man's running to the left. He's running to the right. He's taking big hits, which is, you know, he'll learn that more the more he plays that, you know, you either slide or you get out of bounds before you get hit. But, I mean, he, he he was a pretty much a brick wall, man. He took out the defender that I seen when he was running to the out-of-bounds line on the right. Just took him out, man. This guy's a big dude for a quarterback. And, uh, I mean, he played really well. Like I said, he was running everywhere, throwing everywhere. He just made himself look real good on his debut. Yeah, and, you know, he had some ups and some downs in this game, but he was an, it was an unexpected start. You know, Tyrod was supposed to start, but, you know, last minute in pregame, his chest injury acted up. I, I believe he actually ended up getting hospitalized for it too. So we'll have to keep in touch on what that is. But since it was unexpected, how much time do you think he actually got to practice with the starters and the ones? Well, I'm not too sure how much time he got to practice with the starters and like, you know, obviously the team won. But I mean, I'm gonna tell you right now, he came prepared though. If he and no matter how much time he had with the with the starters or with the second team, he he came in real prepared. Um Rookie uh, Justin Herbert himself said that he only had five or ten seconds before kickoff that they told him, hey, man, you're starting. Tyrod's not going to play. So, I mean, only yeah. having five to ten seconds knowing that you're going to play your first ever uh, game at, you know, an, a home game in a brand new stadium. I mean, in a pandemic. Like, I mean, you add it all together. And, I mean, this guy just came out and he was throwing that rock and running around. So, I mean, he did real good. Yeah, and then all that on top of – you know, like I said, he had some ups and downs, so that was impressive that it was last second. And to go against the defending champs and play like that, that was pretty impressive. Joe, what are your thoughts? He definitely came out and proved all his haters, if he had some, but he definitely proved them all wrong of his of his play. Because I know, I know a few that were kind of upset that the Chargers drafted him. Yeah, that's true. And uh, like I said, he looked really good in moments, but also made some simple rookie mistakes. Like to start off the first drive, he took the Chargers eight plays for 79 yards and ran a four-yard touchdown to lead them 7-0. He 
He then uh, showed off his arm talent and ability to use his legs to make plays. His second touchdown was an accurate throw to Jalen Guyton. I don't know how to say his name, but that's my best attempt. Uh, along to the sideline of the end zone. In the third quarter, after taking a sack that put him in a second and 24 situation, Herbert was able to pick apart the Chiefs secondary on a 25-yard bomb to Keenan Allen. He also had a rookie mistake such as the third quarter interception he had. It was a second and two on the Chiefs 42-yard line, and he rolled out to throw into triple coverage to Keenan Allen again when he could have easily ran for the first down. You know, that was a bad throw, bad decision, but it's something to learn from. Overall, I was impressed with his play considering that he was playing against the defending champs and held his own for majority of the game. What are your thoughts, Joe? So I was I was trying to I was trying to do some research of actually how much practice time Herbert gets with the starters. And I couldn't really find anything, but I doubt he really gets any time with the starters. So I think he's just all second team that he's getting the practice reps with. But you know, when someone goes down with the injury, it's always that next man up. So Herbert did a phenomenal job to me. Yeah, and you know, just to go along with everything and Again, this is just a weird year in general, but with the pandemic, you know, there's OTAs weren't really there. Practice wasn't really there. And he was expected to sit most of not all of his rookie season. So the fact that he showed a lot of these great plays and great intangibles, you know, really was a great sight to see if I'm a Chargers fan. What are your thoughts, Joe? I believed that the Chargers could have won this game. But I know they went into OT, and um, the Chargers, they sat Joe, Joey Bosa for probably like three or four plays toward the end. He, I know he was he was tired. He took a knee at one point before uh, the offense um, got to the line, so he, he was trying to take a rest. But maybe maybe sit him for two plays, if, if not one. Just get him at least some time to rest. But they needed him on that defense. And I believe if he was on there, I, I believe we'll be talking about the Chargers beating the Chiefs right now. Yeah, Eric, do you have any extra thoughts on this? Uh, you know, the AFC West is filled with uh, really good, talented teams. Um, I would love to see more Herbert, but, you know, Coach's decision is he says if Tyrod Taylor is completely healthy, which, it, you know, we don't know at this moment, but he says that he's going to be the continued uh, starter for the Chargers. Um, to me, that's all fine and dandy. I don't really see the Chargers even going far this year at all. So, I mean, having Herbert just, you know, stay back and learn as much as he can in his first rookie year, then, I mean, that would be the best bet. But, I mean, get him in there right now. If, if Tyrod Taylor is not ready and he's still injured, you know, I mean, it's also good that he gets some playing time. So, because playing time is really the best practice you can get. Yeah, I mean, I think this is an interesting situation, and I personally would start him the rest of the way if he's ready to go. Uh, I wouldn't really start uh, Tyrod Taylor, and I like Tyrod Taylor. He's a good, solid player. You know, he's going to do his job. He's not going to do anything super flashy, but he's also not going to ruin the game for you. So those winnable games he'll win. Those games you're probably not going to win. You're He's probably not going to go out and win you. But at this point, you know, you drafted Justin Herbert six overall. He played pretty well. You know, like I said, he had some simple mistakes that are fixable. 
but I think this would be great for his confidence and moving forward in his career just to put your trust in him. You know, at this point, just give him the keys and see what he can do. He's got great offensive weapons. He's got a, a good defense. So I'd like to see what he can do moving forward. And next week they go against the Panthers. And I think that's a winnable game also. Joe, what are your thoughts? So, yeah, like I believe this could be another situational type like the Patriots back when Drew Bledsoe got injured during the game and Tom Brady took over and now is rest of history. This kind of reminds me of that situation. If the Chargers choose to start Herbert, I don't know if he'll be a Tom Brady type elite, but I know he Herbert could get it done. Just based, I know it's, I know I'm basing off just one game I saw, but this was he faced a, a Super Bowl team that won it. So, I mean, what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, like I said, he held his own against the defending champions. So I think moving forward, especially next week against the Panthers, is a good matchup for him. I think that's a winnable game that he can go out there and win. Like I said, he's got weapons, and he showed a lot of great plays and you know great intangibles playing you know with whether it was with his feet or his arm you know some things he can improve on but he was a rookie in his first start so I think moving forward you just allow him to keep going what do you think Eric yeah like you say just allow him to keep going um like I said previously man I just think you know obviously the best practice is get real-time play so to get Herbert really involved with this team and for the future, you get him as much time as you can. Um, I mean, I'm not saying just give him garbage minutes, you know, because garbage minutes are garbage minutes. You got to get him some real legit time play. Like today, today was a perfect game for that because you're not only playing the Super Bowl ch- uh, champions, reigning champions, but you're playing in a, in a game that was 2020 and you're going to overtime. So, I mean, this was really, really great for, for Herbert and, uh, I would love, like you say, George, I want to see him continue starting for the rest of the season. I would love that too. But um also agree with you that Tyrod Taylor ain't going to be, de- be doing all the flashy stuff and whatever, which is, I mean, I mean, Tyrod Taylor might be the perfect veteran for Herbert. So um I would love to see Herbert more in the future for sure, but play it safe. Yeah. I mean, I think especially when you draft a guy six overall, you know, you're hoping he's the, the franchise changer, the, you know, the face of the franchise. So at this point when there is an injury and it's next man up and he does play pretty good for his first game in the circumstances that he was given, I think you just write it out, you know, practice this week, watch film, see what he can do better on, let him practice with the starters, see who he can build that connection with because he's got studs on that offense. You know, he's got a Keenan Allen, an Austin Eckler. So he's got weapons. He can be good this season if given the keys and the right opportunity to succeed. What are your thoughts, Joe? Yeah, I agree. Give him the chance to succeed, even if it is starting and putting Tyrod Taylor behind him, which would be, like you said, a great veteran to learn from. Exactly. So, Joe, on a scale from 1 to 10, what would you rank his first game? i give it an 8. Eric, what would you rank him? For his game one, uh, I would do the same. I'd put an eight, probably an eight. Interesting. Yeah, I'd probably give him like a seven, just because some of those mistakes were, you know, crucial. But I think he could definitely improve on, and I see the potential being really high for this guy. And like you said earlier, Joe, a lot of people were doubting this kid coming out from college. You know, 
thought there's maybe better talent out there. Maybe they should have traded up for a Tua or someone else. But I think he really showed that he can play in this league and be a factor in that division that's, you know, it's got the defending champions. It's got a Raiders that are on the rise. You know, they got good weapons too. The Broncos, you know, got they're on the rise too. They've always had a good defense. They're dealing with some injuries. So in an interesting division, you know, moving forward, I think he could be a good factor for the Chargers. Yeah, most definitely. All right. So, well, I think that's all the time we got today. But before we end, I got one last question to ask both of you. And this is the question that I had posted on our TikTok account, Highly Contested. So I'm going to start with Eric. So start one, cut one, bench one. Your options are Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James. Who do you got? Oh, man, you're going to do this right now? Right now. <laughs> well, of course, you got to start with the GOAT. You know what I mean? So I start MJ. And uh, it, it's so hard to pick between Kobe and LeBron. But I'm going to go with someone who's already obviously retired and his career is over and you can really dissect everything. And I'll, I'll go with Kobe. And then I'm going to have to cut LeBron. That, like I said, the other two are just already established. They got everything in their whole careers that they need. Not saying that LeBron ain't close to that because LeBron is easy, easy top five. But uh, definitely choosing the GOAT, MJ. And then two, I'm having Kobe Bryant. And then LeBron, sorry, but you're going to have to wait till your career is over for me to at least real, really dive into you. So. Yeah, I'm going to have to say the same thing. Start Jordan, bench Kobe, cut LeBron. Basically on the same same lines as Eric, what Eric said. You have to start those. You have to start him, and then with that one-two punch with Kobe coming off the bench, it's a great, great lineup. Yeah, you really can't go wrong with any answer here. I mean, they're all great players, but I'm definitely going to start Kobe Bryant. And then off the bench, we're putting Michael Jordan, and then LeBron's getting cut. But, yeah, that's all the time we got today for Highly Contested. Stay tuned for our next episode. We will be doing our best to post every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We now have a Twitter account, a TikTok account, and you can listen to our podcast anywhere on any streaming platform. So, like I said, if you're listening on Anchor, leave us a message and we'll put you on our next podcast or leave a review if you're listening to on Apple or any other platform. We appreciate all your feedback. Until next time, have a good one, guys. Highly contested. 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 Highly contested.